Thank you for joining us for another podcast from the Commonwealth Club. Thank you. Y'all set? Thank you. Okay, here comes the guy from the on-deck circle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they just intentionally want me to get (laughs) Yeah, because you're so fast. (laughs) Well, George mentioned bochi ball. I I find it interesting how the whole lexicon of our language has taken the word now, and we started with billy ball and money ball and small ball, and but now the best of all is bochi ball. And... I think it's interesting that the subtitle of this is The Chemistry of Winning and Losing in Baseball. If you had just called it that, you would have enlisted in some science section or something like that. <laughs> Nobody would have. That's done. exactly why we went to Bochy Ball, trust me. Yeah. Uh, the, the, well, the first title was going to be uh, something along the line of chemistry. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to hang on that point because in a lot of ways I think that's... Um, when people think of you as a manager, they think of your ability to create that chemistry. Now, I know that, that you don't just create it by taking some um, bottles and mixing fluids together, but there is a quality that you see in your teams consistently throughout that uh, demonstrate your subtle hand in the picture. Are you embarrassed that I just... Yeah, I am. I am. <laughs> yeah. I am. But, uh, you know, it, it is something. It, it just doesn't happen. It, it it's, happens because you work at it, Roy. And, yeah. uh, I have a, I've been blessed to have a, a lot of players who are, are so good at, uh, you know, trying to build the, the chemistry and trying to be good clubhouse guys from, you know, Posey's, uh, to the Posey's, to the Sandoval's, uh, um, even Madison, uh, you know, they actually work at it. And it really, it springs forth when people cooperate and they collaborate and they connect and, and, uh, that's more important than their personal achievement, their individual achievements, uh, achievements or, or even the, um, you know, their, self-interest and and that's how it happens and yeah. and so we we try to build it every year it starts in spring training we talk about it uh and you know to me good teams are championship teams they they're made up of players who have a share, shared vision and that vision is so compelling that it becomes more important than their in, uh, individual needs and uh and so they're willing to subordinate their own agenda and that's yeah. best for the team and uh and so that's what i take pride in and and with our game today yeah it's you know there's so much talk about how much has changed with the analytics and everything and this is part of what we're talking about here and the, and data is very important trust me and uh, this information can make the players better but I still believe, uh, yeah, sure, talent's going to help you win games, but to win championships, you got to have a group of guys that come together, gel together, and play together and, and play for each other. Well, it doesn't surprise me that you immediately shifted the credit to the players because that's, uh, frankly, I think one of the reasons you're so successful as a manager. Um, so I, I want to go back. 
on that point and make you talk about your role as a manager in doing all of that because it's it's one thing to be kind of a you know a one year wonder or two year wonder where you're you come in with a system and you can yell at people and intimidate them and encourage them and all of this but in most situations in life that kind of leadership wears off so that that type of a manager that type of an executive or that kind of a teacher they'll last for a while but then they don't have a 12-year career managing the Padres and then a 13-year career managing the Giants and winning three World Series in the process. So there's something about your approach to it that's different. And um, I don't know if you have insights on that, but I... <laughs> I'd love to hear what you think that how you go about making it so that your message doesn't just wear out and the players become tone deaf. Yeah. Um, wow. That's, that's a hard one. Uh, you know what? I'll start with this. Um, you know, sometimes we look at the player, uh, you know, what he can do, the numbers, uh, uh, stats, but yeah, I try to remind, remind myself they're people first. They really are. And, uh, and you can, um, forget, you know, how hard this game is. You can dehumanize the game with, with the, uh, analytics that are available out there. So that's where it starts. And then, uh, you know, I go by the golden rule. I try to treat people the way I would, uh, I would want to be treated. And, uh, and trust me, they're all different. We've had a very diverse group here, and, <laughs> and uh, one size doesn't fit all with these guys. And uh, you know, just to give you a few examples, uh, I mean, Buster, you got to be just straightforward with him. You got to, you know, don't don't try to weave around him. He just wants to, you know, know exactly what you're talking about. And yeah, you get a uh, you know special talent like a Tim Lincecum and. Uh, you know, you, you gotta coddle him. He, he really wanted to, you know, be accepted, uh, you know, be loved and whatever. So you treat him a little different. Uh, belt, I, I've said this, it's in there, belt. I, you need a cattle prod sometimes. <laughs> I mean, he, we, we nicknamed him Sparky, you know. So, but, uh, and he's such a good guy. Just sometimes yeah. you gotta probe him a little bit and then, you, then you got a Sandoval and you just, the biggest thing with him, just keep him out of the kitchen and you'll, you'll get <laughs> so, But, uh, yeah, anyway, but you got to advantage him all different according. And really those during the course of a season, those variables change. And, uh, uh, but I tried, try to treat him the way I would want to be treated. And for me, it's mixing it up, you know, whether it's through meetings or individual talks, things like that, uh, you know, just to make sure that, you know, they keep their focus. And, uh, yeah. and you know, my job really, when we're going well, I stay out of the way. When things are not going so well, then that's when I think they need you, and that's when I try to get involved and do the best that I can. Well, let's talk about a specific situation you had in 2012 in the playoffs. You make the playoffs, and that's all good. But then you're down to Cincinnati, 0-2, you're down to the Cardinals, 3-1, and you come back and win both those series. Now, I think it would be interesting to hear your story of those 
those playoffs and the dynamics and what made that team do what they did. Yeah, that was uh, the never say die team. It, it, it really, I look back and I'm amazed at, at what they did. Uh, you know, the face elimination, what, six times or, or so. But, uh, you know, I still remember, uh, you know, the starting out that, first series against Cincinnati and we got beat up pretty good by them. Now we have to go to Cincinnati and they've, they've had a big year and um, they haven't lost three games at home the whole year. And, and we have to beat them three in, in a row in their park, you know, to advance to the next round. And so as we're flying to Cincinnati, I'm thinking, well, somehow I got to give them hope. And, um, <laughs> and somehow, you know, because I've been in that situation yeah. back in 84, I played with San Diego when we beat the Cubs three in a row, but that was in San Diego. Now yeah. we're we're in Cincinnati. So anyway, um, I get up and uh, my sister had told me this story, you know, from the Bible about Gideon. It's really uh, it's a incredible story of a man going against all odds. You know, he he you know, they were taken over by the, the uh, Median Knights, and there was. The odds were out of, they're like 30 to one, whatever. But anyway, I won't go through the whole story. So, but I, I give them this story. And, uh, but as I finished, it, it wasn't my deal. Trust me. All of a sudden, Hunter Pence gets up and, <laughs> and he sounds like the real pastor. And uh, yeah. he just, and he just went, went off on, he wasn't ready to go home and he wanted to see what, Ryan Terrio was going to wear the next day because he wore these crazy outfits, how much he loved these guys. And this is how he's talking and yelling, screaming. And, uh, you know, and the guys had fun with it. Uh, and, and so we go out that day. Well, the hitters didn't listen, obviously. We got one hit, <laughs> one hit until the eighth, yeah. through the you know, eighth yeah. inning. So, but uh, we found a way to win that game. Yeah, but tell how, because that, that was very interesting the way that game ended. It wasn't just that you won the game. Yeah, well, we won it uh, because of an error. Now, Vogelsong yeah. started that game. He went five innings, so, you know, he uh, gave up one run. So he gave us a chance to win, and bullpen did a great job. But at the end of the game, Scott Rowland, uh, uh, who was so good defensively, made an error, and that's how we won the game. Right. And so, you know, what I do know, when you get to the postseason, it can take one game to change your momentum. Yeah. Just one game. The other team starts going, uh-oh, yeah. you know, and then you get some confidence going. But well, the second game, we came out firing, and, of course, you saw what happened in the third game. But, you know, the torture wasn't done in the third game. Right. Yeah, even after Buster hit the grand slam, we, we scored six runs in the fifth. Yeah. Kane gave up two in the bottom of the fifth. Now, I still remember – when he's coming back to the dugout, you know, he kind of had that fast walk. He, he looks at me and goes, what, you nervous? <laughs> I said, no, man, I'm worried about you being nervous. <laughs> yeah. But the ending of that game, yeah. I don't know if you remember, but uh, I was saving uh, <clears throat> Javi Lopez for Jay Bruce later in the game. So I had at, uh, Jeremy Affelt in the game. But Jer Jeremy's so injury prone. He goes out, gets a big out for us. He comes in the dugout, foul ball comes in our dugout, hits him. I have to take him out. Yeah. So I put Javi in, and lo and behold, here we are in the ninth inning. Yeah. Jay Bruce is a winning run, and I got Sergio Romo out there. Now, Sergio was not the matchup you want one against lefties. Yeah. You, know, you really want him against righties. And we're in the smallest ballpark in baseball. So. 
that was a nervous time. And, uh, and, uh, anyway, he found a way to get through it with about 12 or 13 pitch at bat. And Jay Bruce was just here. Uh, with, he's with the Mets now. So he came over to tell me, congrats. He appreciated battling against me, whatever. I said, you know, Jay, I, there's a, about five at bats that I remember my career and that one in Cincinnati. He goes, that's number one for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget it. Yeah. And Dusty Baker, who was a manager, was there as we were right. talking. And, uh, so it was pretty cool kind of rehashing that. And, uh, and on the other side of that, I for you, look, it was, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I, I got to tell you, and just to add to that one, on that yeah. fifth game, Xavier Nady, I don't know if y'all remember him, but he, we picked him up and, uh, we got him for his bat, but he was in left field. So I'm telling uh, Ron Wotus, I said, well, I can't leave Xavier in left field. You know, we got to put a better defender out there. Yeah. I didn't know he was right behind me. <laughs> so, so, yeah. and, and we're very close friends. We yeah. live by each other. So yeah. he's telling me this story a few years ago. He yeah. goes, I'm right behind you. And my eyes got big. Yeah. <laughs> and sure enough, Jay Bruce hit the fly ball to him. He said he was catching it like that. <laughs> he said, not only yeah. was I nervous, I knew you were nervous. So. Yeah. How to create team chemistry, right? Yeah. Right, right. So, but then you go to then you have St. Louis to deal with, right? I'm I'm driving this home because I'm talking. You sustained this process in that 2012 series. So, St. Louis, you're down three one. I'm unbelievable what happened there. That still uh, it it blows me away. You know, we we're in St. Louis. We're down three one. We got Barry Zito uh, going and. So we got our hands full and, um, well, first inning, I think he's got the bases loaded, nobody out. I got two guys thrown in a bullpen. <laughs> and, uh, lo and behold, he gets out of this thing and he yeah. shuts them out. I right. think it was seven plus innings, shuts them down. One of, you know, the more amazing things I've ever seen. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you look back at 2010. We kept Barry off the roster, one of the toughest uh, decisions I've ever had to make. And, uh, Barry Zito. Barry Zito, thanks. Yeah. And, uh, and then here in 12, he played such a critical role in us getting another ring, including that game. And of course, leading off the, uh, first game in the World Series, going against Verlander. You're talking about Gideon. This was, this, yeah, right. I mean, nobody gave us a chance when that right. ball game, but, uh, but that was the difference. Now, getting back to what I talked about, one win. Now, the Cardinals, they got to come back uh, to our place, and and we just boat raced them the next two days. I yeah. mean, you could tell that the momentum had swung, and they were going like, oh, no. And, uh, and what, I mean, what a beautiful way how that game ended. If you remember the rain coming down on Scudero, and yeah. it's like the baseball guys just opened up the clouds. Yeah. It, it was, and you can't make that stuff up, what no. happened there. But that's that that season to me is a very that very good metaphor for your whole career. Where you, you know you took on Gideon's philosophy and you and you imparted to the players. I mean, granted, the players play the game, but when I sit and watch television and I see you there sitting there trying to contain your emotions, that must be hard as hell. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they say, God, you stay so calm and don't, don't let that blow you. What's, uh, what's really going on, uh, inside me. But, um, you know, as we, you know, as we had the, 
battled through to get to the World Series. I, I still remember uh, I had some friends. We were playing Detroit. We were up three games. If you remember, we had that hurricane coming in, and uh, and like I said, one game can swing everything. So I get this text before game four. He said, hey, we need you to lose today because we got tickets for game five. <laughs> <laughs> and I just go, are you serious? Yeah. And, uh, what, yeah. Uh, yeah, what, you know, what, what was amazing through that? Cause, uh, you know, that one, Matt Cain didn't give up a run in 2010, uh, uh, World Series. And yeah. that one, he pitched the, uh, game five against the Reds, the uh, deciding game. He pitched game seven, uh, deciding game against the Cardinals. And then he pitched the last game against, uh, mm-hmm. um, the Tigers. So that's, yeah, that's pretty amazing. He's involved in all wins. At the yeah. End. Don't talk about your coaches because you seem to use your coaches very well. Yeah, well, I mean they're the ones that really do the heavy lifting. Uh, it doesn't. Right. I mean, they're, I've been blessed, uh, you know, with such a great coaching staff. I mean, the best, and you know, from the likes of, I mean, going back to Tim Flannery, Dave Rigetti, Mark Gardner, and you know, my current staff. Of course, Ron Wotus has been with me. Uh, from day one, Hensley uh, Mullins has been with me a long time, but, uh, and the current staff, Kurt Young, uh, Matt Hurd's all, but you know what? I, tell you, I if any, if, if there's, when people ask me if I've changed, you know, since I started managing, it's, I delegate more than ever. And, uh, and, you know, because my first couple of years, I tried to do everything. I said, well, this won't last long. I'll, I'll kill myself, but, uh, you got to trust. And I, I was able to have the trust in these coaches because they're so good at what they do. And that allowed me to keep my focus on what, where I needed to keep it. And, uh, so I'm forever thankful for the job that, that they have done for me. They are the unsung heroes. They're, they're the ones that, uh, um, helped us achieve, uh, what, what we did in, in those three years. And, and so, you know, that's, that's where I look back and, and see where I'm really, really lucky to have such a good, good staff. So how do you decide when to delegate a sensitive issue, not to pitching batting practice, but a delicate player issue? When do you decide it's your thing to handle and when do you decide to delegate it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And the staff, I mean, they're good, really good about knowing that, you know, there's times when I will step in and they don't take it personal. They, you know, I, I am the manager and, uh, and so they're, they're good with that, uh, whether it's talking to a, hit, a hitter about a change or even a, a defender. Just to give you an example, uh, Slater, we're in Colorado and, you know, he did the same thing Pence would do. The ball gets in that jet stream in right field and he'd be out there sending the ball's head. He'd come running in and, and he'd go running back and <laughs> yeah. pick it up. Uh, yeah. So. And Bam Bam was trying to get him, you know, I said, Bam, I, I, I'm going to talk to him here a little bit. So the adjustment I made, I said, listen, we're going to take something out of this. And what we're going to take out of it is the ball cannot get behind you yeah. because we're going to get near the wall. And that's how Colorado does it. Yeah. You know, they play near uh, the wall now because the ball hangs up so long. I said, now when the ball's hit, if you think you got to come running in, Okay, that's fine. You'll have 
time to get back now because you won't have so much room behind you. And, mm-hmm. uh, and there's going to be a sense of comfort because you don't have to cover both areas in front and in back because that's the problem in Colorado. The ball carries and a lot of home runs, but there's a lot of base hits because they fall in. And uh, so it seemed to help. Yeah. I'm just giving you an example. And yeah. Bam Bam was fine with it. And uh, Ronnie just like if I want to uh, change or tweak something, but uh, but I, it's not like I ever go out there when they're hitting ground balls or hit, I I want them to. I don't even want to be around. I want them to know I have to trust that they, yeah. they're good at what they do, and they are. And, uh, you know, that's their area. They're smart. They're smarter than me in that area. Uh, just occasionally I will yeah. will get involved. And then there's the pitching coach visit to the mound, right? And how much of that is orchestrated between you and Kurt Young, for example? Yeah, um, yeah we uh, – I mean, sometimes uh, Kurt has the freedom to go out there when he thinks he needs to go out there. There's times when I, I'll have Kurt go out there. Once in a while, I'll go out there if I'm not making a change uh, and just talk to him. But, uh, you know, that's such a, a, a critical time in the game, and Kurt's really good at it. Rags was really good at it, mm-hmm. too. Uh, you have 30 seconds to get inside your pitcher's head and get him in the right frame of yeah. mind, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, but if I... You know, if I see something, I say, Kurt, I, I, I need to give him a breather or we, we need to get his head back, um, you know, or, or I need to get somebody loose in the pen. So give me some time. Mm-hmm. Now, what Kurt's really good at is giving you time. <laughs> this That's is what the bad most, knees will do for you. <laughs> yeah. He's got a bad knee. He's got the most, and people say I'm laid back, but this man, when I, I'll say something to him, he'll, Okay, he won't move. <laughs> and I go, Kurt. He goes, Oh yeah, I got it. And then he'll, yeah. he'll get up, yeah, yeah. He'll make his way there, so I can, I could get three pitchers ready by the time. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. he's, uh, yeah, no, he's really good. He has a good feel, and uh, but uh, I've been lucky with he and Rags. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're the best yeah. at what what they do. That always struck me as one of the great inside metaphysical aspects of baseball is the visit to the mound and you know the conversation you always wonder what what really gets said and what's behind it and stuff it's but yeah it's you know it's funny that there's different ways you go at them and uh you know i try to if it's a tight situation try to loosen them up but uh I forgot the last time I went out there. I don't know if you guys ever watch Andy Griffith, but uh, <laughs> Barney used to, you know, tell Andy when there's a, a tight spot, whatever. Andy, what we got here is a situation. Yeah. <laughs> so I went out there one time, yeah. and poor pitcher didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> Never seen Andy Griffith. I said, yeah. "What we got here is a situation now." Yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, I need you to throw this pitch in. Yeah. He said, what? He goes, who was that you were talking about? I said, never mind. <laughs> it would make a good TV ad, I think. Um, if you look around at successful managers, managers plus successful managers, many of them above the statistical average are catchers. You were a catcher. Mike Socia was a catcher. Um, Dave, I mean, uh, Bob Melvin's a catcher. Do you think there's something about having been a catcher that gives you more insight into the game? Oh, I think without question. You know, I mean, it's not a necessity that has to be a catcher, but I think the transition from catching to managing is the easiest from any position. 
I mean, in essence, as a catcher, you are the manager on the field. You're the one that's, that sees everything. Uh, you have to have, hopefully, hopefully, an understanding of pitching. Um, you're dealing with 12, 13 different personalities on the mound. Uh, you got to deal with that. You're getting signs from uh, the manager. Uh, you know, you're you're calling pitches, so you got to know how to work hitters. And then, uh, of course, you know the old school way, Roy. If you remember, catchers used to move position players. Right. And so, and that again, you're the manager in the field. So I, I think that's why you see so many uh, become managers, and uh, it just it just an easier uh, transition being a general in the field, so to speak. But uh, I think the other reason is we're not smart enough to do anything else. <laughs> we, we gotta and, do and you get bad knees, so it gives you longer time to warm people there up. There you go. Right. <laughs> there you go. Which um, actually, since you mentioned positioning players, uh, one of the questions we have is to talk about the shift and the impact you see the shift having on the game today. So let me go to that audience question. Yeah. Um, shift, I mean, it's the game has changed. I mean, sure, it's it's the way now. It's 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 the way of the world or whatever, and then our game has changed, and the shifting they have figured out uh, – you know, that shifting has taken away a lot of hits. It does. And sometimes when uh, the shift gets beat, you see that and the frustration is usually there, either with the pitcher, the manager too, trust me. But uh, yeah. but for the most part, it has taken away hits. Now, one player in particular, I think Belt, the shift that hurts him more than anybody. Because mm-hmm. some guys have a little bit more ability to go the other way and beat the shift and uh, and – I'm not, I'm not huge on the shift, but I think the onus is on the batter to beat it. And you figure it out. You get a bunt down. We tried a couple bunts yesterday. We didn't get them down, but uh, this club we're playing, I mean, Marlins are in such a deep shift. Nobody, there's no pitch has been thrown, the belt or even vote. And the shortstop is almost by second base. Yeah. There's nobody on the left side. In, they And I give them credit. They both tried to bunt. And they just didn't get them down. Mm-hmm. But, uh, um, so uh, I don't think they're going to change it. I don't. They're talking about doing it. But that's probably the area of the game that I'm, I'm disappointed in that when we came up, we had to have better back control than what these guys yeah. do. And, and the home run – the launch angle and all that is such a big part of the game that, uh, you know, some hitters just can't beat it. And, and some of, and really the philosophy, to be honest, is, well, if we try to beat it, then they're doing their job. That's why they're shifting to get us to do that. So we're going to stay within our game. Or we're going to just try to see how far we can hit this thing and, uh, and do damage. So, uh, yeah. you know, but there's going to be a lot of uh, debate about this, but, you know, I, I know baseball likes to see runs scored and, uh, but it does slow the tempo down a little bit. You see the third baseman jumping yeah. over there, and I, I'm with you on that. There's times when I, I I almost want once or twice a week, no shifting. Yeah, right. Play the yeah. game. You can't. Yeah. They won't do that. The um, 
It, I, I find just as an observation, it's interesting to watch shortstops when they're playing over on the right side of the infield try to make that throw. It's almost like it's very uncomfortable for them because they're used to that long, hard throw, and suddenly they're making that short throw. It gets pretty exciting sometimes. It does, and, and you've seen double plays that don't happen because of yeah. the shift. You know, guys are not in their normal position. They They're going – Shortstop is going to second base from the second right. base side, which he's never done, and he's trying to catch yeah. the ball. But uh, and then you see, you know, a lot of teams are putting the shortstop, shortstop back o- over at the shortstop position, putting a third base yeah. on. You know, turn and then with switch the Dodgers, with the he goes all the way by the first baseman. So, but if I did that with Pablo, he'd be worn out before he. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there's always the exceptions, but the. The other aspect of that is the um, uh, disappearance of certain plays, like the hit and run and the stolen base. Yeah. No, you're right. You're, I mean, we have a couple of guys we can hit and run with, and we we still do. Uh, but it's you don't see it because you don't see players have the back control they used to. And again, when you're – working on getting the ball in the air that's not a hit and run play and uh, so you just don't have the hitters now that you used to uh, have that could handle the bat when we came up we had to do those little things we had to get a bunt down and uh, now getting a bunt down I mean I mean you're you're asking a lot from a player Uh, it's unbelievable but with that said Guys, the pitchers, the guys are throwing harder now than ever, and that's what's making it tough, too, for them. And uh, uh, trust me, we work on bunting as much as anybody. My first base coach, Jose Aguasil, brings those pitchers out every day, and they just have a hard time getting it down. But uh, really, to your point, it's just that's where the games change. And I I like the old way. I like the hit and run. And Buster's my best hit and run guy. And yeah. We will hit and run with him, but uh, and we'll put guys in motion. We're not a speed team. Uh, uh, Pilar will put on his own, and his kid Dubon, who's been impressive. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he, he'll figure out the hitting part, but he's got a little back control and great game awareness. Uh, yeah. For example, we had a man on first, nobody out. This would never happen a few years ago. Yeah, Pittsburgh had their third baseman back like he was Johnny Bench hitting. <laughs> but And yeah. you know, we're, I actually was trying yeah. to give it to Wotus for a bump for a hit, but Ronnie didn't see me. But his kid saw it. He tried it. Mm-hmm. But that would never happen. But that's where the game's at now. Yeah. You know, it's like, here, take the bunt. But you don't do that with a kid that can run. Mm-hmm. And then the heart, of, you know, plus the heart of the order coming up after yeah. him. Yeah, the corollary of this, of course, is the in- – the increase in home runs across both leagues, uh, the why, why is that? And whether, probably more important to us as fans, is whether it makes the game more interesting or less interesting. Yeah, well, I'm curious what, what you guys think uh, on that because it's it's a different game now. now I don't know if we get the memo that, you know, the ball's flying and we're, there's more home runs hit because that's not us. Uh, although Pilar's had a big year. Yeah. So, I, and trust me, I love home runs. Yeah. Uh, but that's where it's at now. You know, I think you look at a few things, uh, you know, the the, the different philosophy on, on uh, hitters. And they, 
you know, hitters that can get the ball in the air, the way the ball's flying, there's a good chance it's going to leave the park. You look at the pitching now, it's tougher. They're not, right. Starters aren't staying out there. You're getting relievers throwing 98. So it's easier to score with the home run than trying to get three or four hits or manufacture a run. So that's kind of the philosophy. Teams are looking for power. They want power. Now, there's a lot of small ballparks. There's no doubt in my mind this is a, the ball is livelier than it's ever been. And what's not talked about are these bats now. And these maple bats are as hard as a rock. Bumgarner, he came up the other day. I was telling Roy, he said, I've been hitting with this bat for a month, and you can't see one mark on it. Now, if you remember, these maple bats used to split all the time. Yeah. You don't see that anymore. So whatever they've done, they're harder. They're not breaking as often, and the ball is flying off them. And uh, trust me, I got pitchers every once in a while come in with their baseballs from 2012, 13, 14, and show me the difference in the baseballs now and the bat. So mm -hmm. it's it's a different yeah. game. Now, I don't know if it's going to be a game that everybody wants to see or not versus a pure game of doing the little things to uh, try to win a ball game. You are listening to the Commonwealth Club of California. Hear thousands of our podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Learn about our travel programs to exciting domestic and international destinations. And when you're in the Bay Area, please join us live for any of our 500 programs each year. You can find us online at commonwealthclub.org. Now back to our program. You know, it's kind of as an anecdote uh, in the in the all-star game, they used to have a skills contest where hitters had to hit a ball over the third base line if they were left-handed and hit a target or something, right? And that was part of this contest. And another one was hitting a ball into the alley and a runner on second, and the outfielders had to get it and try to throw them out. And you saw all these things. Those have all disappeared, and now what do we have? A home run hitting contest where, you know, People just stand there and fracture their spine hitting. Yeah. No, it's it's no question. I mean, it's just don't have that anymore. I mean, I had one of the best hitters in the game at what you're talking about, Tony Gwynn. You know who was impressive uh, with the back control, even though he's a power hitter, it was Barry Bonds. Yeah. He could stand up there. He goes, I know you had Tony Gwynn. He could hit that 5-5 five, five hole. I can hit that 5-5 five, five hole, too. Let me show you. Yeah. And he would. He would hit it there, or he could hit it. Uh, I remember one time Klesko was hitting the ball as hard as he could and it kept going in triples alley in batting practice I'm talking about. Yeah. Goes, this is this is a joke, this part. And Barry goes, Well, how come you're hitting it there? Yeah. He goes, It's he goes, You you're not very good at math. It's three oh nine down yeah. the line. <laughs> so So sure enough he got up there and just flipped it and hit balls yeah. out there. Yeah. So it's pretty funny. Yeah. Actually, I think one of the most exciting plays is baseball is when you hit the ball in the triples alley. I mean, yeah. it's a lot more fun than watching a home run. No, it is. It is. I mean, we've, we've had, you know, over the years, uh, you know, a lot of guys that hit that gap, you know, you go Pagan, Blanco, and those guys. It, yeah. It's fun. To, it's yeah. a triple. There's nothing like it. Right. Uh, and there's damage when there's triple. And uh, so I, I don't know what's going to happen. If they're going to actually yeah. move that in or not, I, I can't. I, I don't. Well, you know, if they do, they do. But um, 
I don't know why there aren't more home runs down the right field line. That, I mean, that's a use as you say, three oh nine. That's that's like the old polo grounds almost. And so, uh, but it seems like you're able to pitch in such a way that it's hard to pull the ball. What happens? Yeah, and I've said this even down the left field line. If you pull the ball, it it goes out here. It yeah. does. Uh, now I'm going to get back to Barry here for a second, and he says the way the the park is set up, and the mound versus the home plate, and the way the left hand hitter gets in the box, that that left field right field line in most parks is now more right center in our park. Mm. And that's why guys don't pull the ball down there that mm. much. He says it just gives you that feeling. And mm. He's talked to hitters about it, but. Uh, uh, you know that's that's an interesting yeah, and which I never thought of, but yeah. this is you know one of the greatest hitters ever, and he, he came up with this one. But um, but to be honest, we don't have a lot of pull hitters on our club. Right. You know, uh, Pilar, he you know he can pull the ball, but uh, really we don't have guys like a Pat Burrell. He was a pull hitter mm-hmm. that works in our ballpark, mm-hmm. but uh, even Scudero. Was a home run hitter, but he yeah. could pull the ball down the line. But for the most part, we're more geared up the middle. Yeah. So replay, instant replay. We're talking about the general theme here is how the game is, I don't want to say changing, evolving. Let's use that euphemism. So now we have instant replay. Yeah. You know what? I'm good with it. I, I am. Um, I, I just think it, we have the ability to get it right. Let's get it right. Uh, now, what what's happened with replay is we're having to put our hands up on every play. That's not what it was built for. It was that blatant play. Yeah. You know, you go back to the World Series, the Royals and the Cardinals. I use that one. Uh, Might have cost Cardinals a championship. Don Denkinger. Right. Yeah. You know, that's what it was put in for. But uh you know, it's it saved me a lot of times of getting thrown out of a game. Trust me. So I, that's why I'm, I'm probably good with it. Um, so I, I'm I'm okay with it. I just think uh, we can change it, and I think it should be thrown at the manager instead of of us having 30 seconds yeah. to wait to see if we should challenge it. Put it on me. And as soon as the play happens, I got 15 seconds to go. I'm going to challenge it. And you get two. Now, that's a little more pressure. So that's going to stop you from challenging every play. Now, if you, you can tell from the dugout sometimes, hey, they blew it. Yeah. You're going to challenge it. So that, that would be the change I, I would make. But, uh, but there's, you know, some of the changes I've been good with. The visits to the mound, they cut them back to six. Yeah. It, it was going, it was getting out of hand. Trust me. I mean, every inning we played Arizona one time and I mean, I, they must have had, 30 something visits and then and I came down to World Series uh, Houston LA they had 40 something visits and so as a fan I'm a fan I I don't want to see all this breaking action Yeah, and that's what baseball's kind of lost is some of the action that we used to have and of course one of the ironies is you may not you may have fewer visits to the mound but then you have a four minute delay when there's a replay review and everybody's sitting around waiting and watching. The, the the point about replay I'd like to ask you about is how we've reduced it 
you say your manager ought to be able to tell it, but we've reduced it to the blink of an eye. I mean, you, you used to have in the neighborhood at second base, right, for example. I saw a play the other day where the it's a double play ball. The shortstop comes over, takes the throw from the second baseman, but his foot hits the bag just before the ball gets to his mitt. Then he picks his foot up, the ball hits the mitt, and he throws it to first base. They review it, and they call the runner safe because he had, even though he touched the bag with his foot, there was a half a second before the ball got into his mitt. That strikes me as interfering with the game. Well, and that's what I'm talking about. That's 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 not why it, it was put in. Yeah. And it's, get, it's now it's getting taken advantage of. And, you know, in fairness to the people doing the replay, well, he wasn't on the bag. Well, yeah. I'm with you. That, that should not be a replay. Yeah. It's in the neighborhood, and it's just slowed down the game. And it's probably one of those plays that if it was on the manager, he's not going to challenge it because right. he can't see it. You couldn't see it. Yeah, right. You can't see it. So it's going to take that out. That's my point on why I think it should be thrown on that to the manager yeah. and not get, you know, some guy give him up. time to yeah. you know, hear from the replay booth. Yeah. What about the new um, experimenting with electronic strike zones? Oh, I'll come back and manage if they do that. No, there may be some umpires here. I love you. I do. I, <laughs> but no, seriously, uh, um yeah, I you know I don't know if that's ever going to happen. I know they messed around or they're doing it in the south. Well, they're trying it in one of the minor leagues. in the South Atlantic League. Yeah. What what I thought was funny in that I don't know if you remember the left hand pitcher Frank Viola. Mm-hmm. He's a pitching coach. He got thrown out with a robotic umpire. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's on video. Watch yeah. it. I mean, I think the ball's high and. I don't know who he was arguing with. Uh, but an umpire, but yeah. he actually got thrown out. But yeah. then pitchers started having fun with it. They were like bouncing the ball, trying to bounce it into the zone and get. Yeah, right. So yeah, there's some flaws in it right now. So it's it's a ways away. Yeah, but there's some flaws in the present system too. It's, uh, right. I I noticed uh, you occasionally expressing some mild uh, dissent. <laughs> That's the most frustrating part probably during the game for me. Well, it is. It's the balls and strikes. You know, even Pittsburgh, that last game, we got first and third. And I was thinking about letting Garcia hit for Yastrzemski, but he's hitting lefties pretty good. He's got some home runs, so I let him hit. The first pitch, they threw him a slider. It's pretty far off the plate. Now, let me tell you, the first pitch uh, of, you know, that sequence, whatever, is huge. You got one and oh versus oh and one. And it's a little more pressure on the pitcher. And so anyway, it changes the whole at bat. Yeah. So that's, that's where I get frustrated. Right. Then he's got to swing at that pitch on strike two. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but it, in a way, this whole issue around the, what we talked about, instant replay of a call on the field versus the strike zone is we get, we have gotten now down to milliseconds with regard to the, calling plays at second base or at first base, yet we have this wide open latitude of the where the strike zone is, and it takes me almost backwards. Do you want to get the strike zone right and give a little latitude on the in the neighborhood play and things like that? Yeah, that's a you know what? That's a, an adjustment. As we go in the game, I mean, 
we have all the, I mean, not just data on the other team, but umpires, how they call. Are they wide on the outside part or the inside part? Are they more low ball umpire or high ball umpire? Yeah. Uh, you know, how they call the breaking ball. And now the big thing in the game are the defensive metrics uh, for a catcher on how he receives the ball. Mm-hmm. Is he getting those strikes? And uh, Well, and strikes. moving the mid into the strike zone. Right. And so, you know, this <laughs> it's it's ongoing, you yeah. know, on the, the information that you have and – you know, you'd think there would be one standard way, but hey, they're human and they all have a little sure. different strike zone. And some yeah. guys are wider uh, with the strike zone. Some are really tight. And my hope is when I got a young kid out there, I've got a forgiving umpire of the wider strike zone. Yeah. And because yeah. uh, the veterans like Equato can deal with, you know, sure. the tighter zone. Although they're good at, Working the umpire like a bomb guarder. You see him all the yeah, time. Uh, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And then he gets intimidated and he gets yeah. a pitch. <laughs> One of the things we've, I think we've lost in some of this is that manager license to come out and argue about something. I mean, you can't argue balls and strikes you're thrown out of the game. You can't argue replays because they're. That's automatic. Right. Wow. That's automatic. I mean, you think back to the days of the Earl Weavers and that Billy Martin and that Lou Pinella and Bruce Bochies. And, and that's, that's part of the game that's actually part of its culture. Yeah, no, it is. I've been told that, uh, that you know, they, you know, they enjoy, a lot of fans, they enjoy uh, yeah. the, the manager. And some are so good at it. Pinella, of course. And uh, <laughs> now you, you, you know, the, the fines are... Uh, they're determined by how long you're out there and what you do and, uh, oh. and what you say. Yeah. Uh, so it can be anywhere from 500 to 10,000. And trust me, I got mama at home. <laughs> she gets a little upset. Yeah. I've been thrown out three times this year and, you know, hey, it's a write off. It's a write off. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. The government pays half of it, yeah. right? So what the heck? Um, yeah, because so, some of these colorful aspects of the game, I don't think we want to. We don't want to lose that, you know. And that's a- no, I'm with you. I, I, I'm, I'm with you, and um, and and I, I think it, you know, which changes will continue, but I, I think we'll we'll. Uh, revert back to some things. Yeah. Even, you know, we're, Buster and I were talking about it, how the big thing now is to elevate the fastball pitch up here, but hitters now, the pitchers are doing it so much, the hitters are adjusting. So now it's going back to, hey, no way, hey, down away, pitch low and uh, yeah. elevate once in a while. Right. So it, it, it'll go back. You, I'm going to, Shift to you, back to you here again. I know you'll be uncomfortable, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, when you managed at San Diego for 12 years and you were in the World Series one of those years, and you came to San Francisco in 2007, what was it like to come into this market for you? Yeah. Um, I knew that this was... 
a story franchise. I mean, with so much history to it, but I didn't realize how big it was and, and the fan base and all of you until I, I got up here and, uh, and I, I was blown away to be honest. Uh, you know, San Diego's, you know, it's a transient city. They haven't had baseball that long, but, uh, the history, uh, of the giants, I mean, going back to New York and here. And, uh, and so, it just gave me a, a deep appreciation of uh, what the Giants do, uh, their ownership. You know how, you know how great they were in uh, trusting the, the front office and and letting us do our job. But uh, you know, welcoming all the uh, ex Giants. So, you know, we I I went to clubhouse the first uh, day in spring training. There's Willie Mays and McCovey and. And Gaylord Perry and all these great giants. And, and so I had never really experienced that. So that, that was special to me. Now I gotta be honest. Uh, when I first came up here, you know, I saw it from the opposing side and it's intimidating up here. Trust me for, uh, the other team. And when I was in my first talk to uh, the club in spring training, I'm looking at Barry Bonds. I'm looking at some of these guys that, that for years or 12 years I tried to beat. It was a, it was weird. It was strange. It, it, it yeah. really was. It's like, I, I was wearing the black and orange and I was lucky. I was, I went to Japan when I was name manager, I took a baseball team there. So I wore the giant uniform, but uh, it was strange. The first week or so where you're going, wow, I'm, I'm yeah. really up here. You know, yeah. it's, a di- it's a different, uh, and then of course now that's all I think about. And that's who I think I am a giant. And, uh, but there's, there's a little grace period when you make a change, uh, you know, getting used to it. And, uh, and all of you that yelled and cussed at me on the other team, and, uh, yeah. you know, how, you know, how, how great you've been to me now. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. Do you think that, um, History, that deep history of the Giants uh, carries over to uh, an advantage to a certain degree in motivating the players to play. Oh, I think so, without question. Willie's in the clubhouse all the time, uh, but spring training, we have a, you know, what we call a Hall of Fame uh, thing with the players, and, you know, it just instills so much pride in the players, uh, you know, and when you have players like we've had coming up, uh, you know, going from Kane to Sandoval's, Posey's, Belt, Crawford, uh, uh, Lensicum, all these guys that came up signed with the Giants. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, it's a little different. Trust me. Uh, you're, you're a giant. You're a true giant. And not that you're not if you weren't co- didn't come up with them, but it's, uh, it, it does really, I think, build a, a tradition of pride and, uh, and a winning tradition. You know, yeah. hey, this is how we do it. This is the giant way. I've had young players uh, that come up that veterans have, have grabbed them when they didn't go down the line or they didn't do something right. That's not how we do it with the Giants. Yeah. And so there is what we call, you know, we take pride in the Giant way. Yeah. And, I mean, my heart was broken in 1954, I mean, 1958, when the Giants moved out of New York. And so, you know, in a way, coming and living out here was like my t- tracking the Giants, and I feel that that 
sense of history you're talking about. You go back to John McGraw. That's a long time ago. You still holding a grudge? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You know, and the reason we go to New York, I'm yeah. amazed at. Uh, I did. I am actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still amazed at the the fans we have in New York. Yeah, you know because. You know, their grandparents or great grandparents, you know, we're such big giant fans and, uh, we have a crowd there every time we play there, our mm-hmm. own cheering section. It's, it's really cool to see. Are there any Dodgers fans there? Yeah. <laughs> not, not so much. No. Um, but, but I always wondered about for the Mets uh, to try to come in and inherit that legacy. Of the Giants, it must have been a really hard goal for them. I think they've done it now, but it must have been tough for a while. Oh, it had to be, yeah. I mean, there's you played with the Mets, right? Yes, yeah, yeah I played with them, but uh, you know, even when I played with them, I, you know, I didn't get have any sense of all the Giant fans that you know, are still yeah. there, and yeah. you know, within the families and the, the, the generations of. Uh, Giant fans, but I didn't sense that when I was there. I didn't get that feeling until I came here with the Giants and right. went to New York. And uh, it's it's really uh, players got a a history lesson, you know, when when they went there. Yeah, and the sense of rivalry. I mean, there was that when you were growing up there, all you talk about was whether. That Willie Mays was better than Duke Snyder, or whether Duke, you know, or whatever, or Mickey Mantle. Or, yeah, you know, or, well, yeah, we no. tried to leave the Yankees out of the no. discussion, but, um, but it, it was this. It was part of the culture then, and of course, we've incorporated a lot of that out here with the rivalry with the L.A. Dodgers, but it's not quite the same degree. Yeah, I wasn't there then, so I can't answer. No, but I mean, like you had no, Dave I, Roberts as a player, and yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, you know that's what's different in our game. Uh, you know, and I'm not sure, you know, if if we can ever get it back to where it was. But you know, when we were young, we grew up. I mean, every team seemed like it pretty much stayed the same. Yeah, you, know, you didn't have the movement you have have now, whatever, and. And you really did hate each other. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you did. You saw yeah. some of the fights and stuff, and you still have them. But, but now, you know, sometimes you look out there and there's a love fest going on between guys that haven't yeah. seen each other in another right. team. And that never happened. In fact, uh, you know, that was patro- uh, controlled uh, by the league, you know. You couldn't fraternize. You got fined if you talked to a player too long from an opposing team. Yeah. You you never never see it, and uh, so that's we probably lost a little bit of that. And even my situation, I go down to L.A. I'm in front of the Dodger fans, and they give me this present, and uh, that's why I was telling Roberts, I said, "This would have never happened." Right. And then he says, "Here, you want to say a few words?" I said, "I'm not saying a few words to Dodger fans. Here, here, whatever." I said, "No." Yeah, baseball gods, lightning would have hit me uh, right there. So, I always but it. I'm old school. I get on my coaches sometimes because I know they, you know, I just think there's a place for it. 
But I love it when you got Pablo at first base, and he, he's like having a conversation with every other base runner who gets there, right? Tell him not to do that. It becomes a problem sometimes. We're yeah. trying to we're trying to give signs over there, hit and run, or whatever. And <laughs> this guy's locked in uh, yeah. to a yeah. conversation. Which restaurant's good? To, to, yeah, yeah. I know it. Well, Bruce, we have a few minutes left, and I just wonder if you give people a sense. Uh, it's going to be hard building up to your concluding your managing here, but I think people are really happy for you that you're um, not that you're leaving the Giants, but that you've got a, a great life ahead of you and great choices, and you give us some sense of what you see for yourself. Um. You know, I, I really don't know, to be honest. I get asked, you know, what what am I going to do? I, do? I have a lot of fishing trips planned. I have nothing planned. <laughs> and I've had, you know, some requests, uh, you know, do a few things. Right now, I just want the plate empty. I just want to, yeah. you know, just do what I want to do uh, um, and, you know, just spend some time with the, the, the family. But uh, really, uh, I don't know. What I'll end up doing, I, you know, I, I'll, I'll stay in baseball. I, uh, I think it's going to be a wait and see what I end up doing here. Um, that's, you know, you know, what role I, I will have. And I'd like to, you know, do something, hopefully make an impact, um, and hang around. I have a son that's here. He's a firefighter. So uh, I will, we will, we'll live up here somewhere. I don't know where yet. Um, but, uh, I, I just don't know I, I, until I get there. I yeah. may get two, three months out and go, I, what, what did I do? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 you yeah. know, it's an adrenaline drug that, you know, it is. Yeah. I, it is. And I, I may be lost. I've talked to LaRusse about it, Leland about it, Bobby Cox, and can't wait to see Bobby, uh, who just had a stroke and I hear he's doing better. But, uh, Trust me, I've I've looked into this, and uh, of course we talked about yeah. your situation when you know, you stepped down from Oakland. But it's it's hard to say. Yeah, there's it, there's such a one of the beautiful things about baseball is the routine, right? It's every day you kind of go, you fall in your routine, mm-hmm. and, and and that's in an odd way I'll use the term that's almost addictive you know you get used to that it's fulfilling oh, no, yeah. it's comfortable it is it is and you know and the, and that's what I'm going to miss the most it's the relationships the players yeah. without that and uh, even I know there's I can't see you because of those lights but there's a lot of you out there that I know that we, you know, we're friends and, yeah. and that's you know that's what I'm going to miss the most the game yeah that's not far behind but uh uh, the game itself, but it's, uh, you know, I don't know how I'm going to feel when, when, yeah. when I, it's going to be strange. Uh, I, I don't want to get emotional here, but I would, uh, you know, the other day I, I got to pack the office up. I got to clean up. It's all that stuff. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's going to be a weird feeling. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know where I'm going to put it. So, if you, if you guys need anything, let me. Yeah. Know. yeah. If you got any size eight and a half hats? We'll. Uh, 
Funny you say that because yeah. I actually had a guy ask me yesterday, yeah. hey, if you got some extra hats, I wear the same size. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did he play for the 49ers? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, actually, you had a. I remember reading an anecdote where you, they couldn't find a batting helmet to fit you or something like that because of your. Yeah, I had, a, had to have one specially made, and uh, and so it had probably twelve coats of paint on it. Being <laughs> traded and playing winter ball, yeah. I played five years of winter ball: three in Venezuela, one in Puerto Rico, one in the in the uh, Dominican. So each place I went, they had to paint it the color of the team. <laughs> well, I was. Um, in fact, I'm with New York, and I I made an out, and I threw my helmet down, but I didn't think I threw it down that hard, and and uh, it broke. It snapped. And I had no helmet. Yeah. And so I, I've got, I think it was Kingman's helmet, but it sat way up on top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like two weeks to get a new helmet. Yeah. So that, that, it was actually a problem. Yeah. You hardly have a big head in a metaphorical sense. So. I have no reason to have a big head. If you look at my batting average, it, uh, it shouldn't be big. No, but how about looking at the three World Series yeah. victories, right? Mm-hmm. When... Mm, People would ask me about baseball, and I said, it can be a miserable life if you just think about it in terms of wins and losses, because if you're great, you win five and a half out of ten games, right? Six out of ten games. But when you feel the effect that you can have on the greater community by what you've done with the Giants... It's the most satisfying thing in the world. Uh, it's not like you have one vote out of a hundred in the Senate or you're a politician trying to marshal things. You can have a personal impact. And that's why I think the Bay Area owes you such a debt, Bruce, is you've done that for us. And well, you, I appreciate that. Do you know that? Well, uh, do you know it? Mm-hmm. No, you know, no. I, I nothing makes me feel better. Well, nothing disappointed me more when we didn't come through for, for you. And, uh, but when we did have our winning years, I mean, that's, that's what, you know, the rings are nice, the, the, the trophy and the parades, but it was the people that came up to me and you know, just told me how it impacted their family, you know, their their father, grandfather, great grandfather, how long they've been waiting for a championship here. And so I think that's what makes yeah all of us, you know, that we're involved. I know for me, makes mm-hmm. me feel great to be in a grocery store and have a nice lady come up and tell me that. And that, yeah. so it was, you know, and that, you know, the, the parade, you know, that's, that was probably, you know, what impacted all the players as much as anything, because I think they saw how much they impacted. Yeah. I mean, people they impacted. Yeah. And so, and see how many people were really, really happy. And yeah. so that's what made them feel good. And that's why we're so appreciative of you. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Bruce. <laughs>